Beautiful. Thanks, guys. Good morning, everybody. Having a good summer? Here we are right in the middle of summer. We kind of made a decision uh, at the beginning of this summer. You know, sometimes church can go through summer slump, and we decided not to cooperate with that. And we just decided we're just going to power through and do everything uh, that we do as a church. So last weekend had an amazing, incredible uh, relationship weekend with Bob and Audrey Meisner, who I think are the best uh, that I've ever heard on teaching on relationships. And uh, just a great weekend for us to all learn and grow in all the relationships in our life. And then Sunday we had church and had 18 people give their life to Christ uh, in church on Sunday. And that was amazing. And then uh, just this last week, we had a group of high school interns that went down to Atlanta, hot Atlanta, and uh, worked with the Atlanta Dream Center there ministering. And, you know, it is one of the values of our church that uh, we are not just maintaining an aquarium here. We are fishing in the ocean. They're reaching beyond the walls of our church. So... Uh, good on you guys. You're awesome. And thank you, Jeremiah, for bringing them back alive. And they had a great week. And now, this week, we've got a team uh, going to Nicaragua as part of uh, One Nation, One Day. There's going to be 2,200 uh, missionaries converge at the same time on the nation of Nicaragua. Uh, they are going to do all kinds of service projects around the country. And then on, on one day, they are going to have uh, meetings uh, where they're going to preach the gospel in all top is there 16 or 17 states in Nic Nicaragua, the biggest stadiums, the biggest places they can get into, and all in one day just bringing the gospel to this country. It's going to be an incredible thing. It's going to be a life-changing thing. And uh, so, so proud of these guys uh, raising money, praying, believing, and now they're serving the Lord in Nicaragua. As a matter of fact, I think it'd be so cool uh, to pray for them right now. Can we do that? Amen. Father, we thank you for uh, this team, and we love them, and we pray your blessing, your protection over them. We pray that you will use them, that you do a great work through them and a great work in them. We pray for just the whole One Nation, One Day uh, outreach that's going to take place in this next week. Let your hand of power be on all of the teams. May every person that's preaching the gospel, every act of service that's taking place, may your name be glorified. Let Nicaragua be adjusted, changed forever by the power of the gospel in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Amen. So we're believing, we're just going to, amen. Uh, we have a chance to serve in our city coming up in a couple of weeks on our Servolution Saturday. Hope that you'll be involved in just getting outside of the aquarium and uh, making a difference in our city. And then I really want to point us to something that is, I think, is so, 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 so important. And that is our 21 days of prayer that are coming up in August. So we have two prayer seasons that are, that are kind of 21 days in January, 21 days in August, uh, where we are kind of going after the Lord. And this is to kind of prep us for the fall and get us ready for God to do great things in our midst. Every 
legitimate great move of God that's ever taken place in history has always been preceded by a praying people who will seek after God and win that battle in the heavenly realms and, and cause a breakthrough to take place that allows God to do great things. And if we want God to do great things in us or in our church or in our city and in our nation, uh, God's got to find a praying people <laughs> that he can work through. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of this. We're doing our 21 days of prayer a little different this year than some of the other years. So we're giving you a kind of a prayer guide during those 21 days. But uh, for three Friday nights, we're going to come together uh, August 11th, 18th, 25th. We're going to have a mega worship style prayer meeting on those Friday nights. And I just would encourage you to, you might be one of those kind of people that says, I, I don't do that part of church. Do it this time and become a part of it. And let's have a great time together seeking after God and worshiping the Lord. Amen. All right, everybody say better. 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 That's what we're talking about. Better. Better is our journey through the book of Hebrews, and uh, we are talking about uh, all the great things that are included in the book of Hebrews, and I left my glasses somewhere, and I have no idea where they are. So, cool. <laughs> when I was a boy uh, growing up in New Orleans, uh, I lived about a mile and a half from the Mississippi River. And the Mississippi River, by the time it gets down to New Orleans, is uh, pretty dark and because it's dirty and wide and flows in, in a pretty strong current. And, but we used to go down in the, you're a good man. Hey Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Whew. Yes. Uh, You'll be glad he did that too, uh, but I'm glad really. So, um, so when I was a, when I was a kid, we used to go down and play. Uh, there was le levees that were all along the the river that would keep it in case the river got high and wouldn't flood New Orleans. And we'd play on those levees, and then we'd play down in the river. We'd swim in it. I'm 14 years old, and uh, I remember one time we there was a barge that was up against the shore. Um, and we used to go jump off of it, uh, just, you know, 30, 40 foot in the air and, you know, one, two, three, push and So one time, one of the guys uh, that we were goofing off with decided he's going to try to swim under the barge. So, um, so, you know, when you're 14, you're, you're invincible, you're immortal, and you're pretty stupid. And um, so, so he goes and he swims, uh, he goes down, comes up on the other side, and we're like, yes! Well, we all figured if you can do it, I can do it, right? And we also felt like if you do it, I got to do it. So uh, I, re I still remember to this day, I, I'm not a very good swimmer, but I remember uh, getting on the other side of that barge and thinking, I got to give this ago. If he could do it, I could do it. So, I mean, this is a, an enormous barge that against the shore, and I'm, I go, I'll, it's so dark, you can't see anything. The, the river is so brown, 
down that far down. And so you can imagine what that brown is, by the way. And, um, and so I go down as far as I could possibly go, and then I swim across as far as I possibly can until I run out of air, and I come up on the other side, and I'm like, I made it. And I'm thinking, I could have died. I mean, literally, I could have just died. So we, um, we did crazy stuff like that. I, one time we had, there was a piece of driftwood that was kind of like a railroad tie that uh, my friend and I decided, let's try to swim across the Mississippi River. Uh, and so it's the current, it's, it's a port, there's boats coming down, big boats and all, but we thought, let's try to swim across. So we waited till we thought there was enough uh, room and we started to swim across. We're 14 years old. We're trying to swim across Mississippi River. It was actually a lot wider than we originally thought. And we're swimming across, kind of holding on to this um, uh, railroad tie sort of piece of wood, driftwood, and, and uh, we're swimming across, and I have no explanation for why this happened, but the piece of wood, all of a sudden, some kind of tide thing or something literally sucked this piece of wood out from under us. So here we are, two 14-year-old kids in the middle of the Mississippi River. The current is flowing as hard as you can imagine, and we look up, and here comes this big freight uh, boat coming right at us. So I'm like, oh, we have really made a, a mistake. Uh, <laughs> And somehow I, I, I swim to the shore. And have you ever seen those movies when somebody just like barely makes it to the shore and they're just like, <gasps> that, was, that, was, that was me. I mean, honestly, I was like, I was, I was sucking air. I, was, I barely made it. And, um, and I had, but the river had carried me so far, you know, from where I was to swimming, the river had carried me so far down. I had drifted way, way away from where I started. I want to talk to you today for a few moments about the drift effect. The drift effect. Hebrews uh, chapter 2, verse 1 says this. We're walking our way through uh, Hebrews for this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, in other words, the law that was given in the Old Testament, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. There's a couple of phrases that are involved in this that I think are worthy of our attention today. It says, pay much closer attention. It's possible to drift away. It's possible to neglect I think drift is the natural tendency for every one of us. Uh, we, don't, we don't move towards urgency, we drift towards complacency in every arena of our life. And this is, this is a, a thing that every person faces, the drift effect where there was something that you were passionate about, there was someone you were passionate about, there was something you were passionate about, 
and it becomes really easy to drift out of a sense of urgency into a place of complacency, where urgency is not firing for you. So drift happens, right? I mean, drift happens in church. Uh, churches can drift off their vision. Churches can, can drift in uh, reaching out. Churches can, there can be a drift in your heart for your church. The church that you thought was amazing, the church that you thought was the best thing that ever happened, all of a sudden now it's just like, oh yeah, we sing a few songs and PK comes out and preaches and then I go home and what, what did he preach about? And drift happens. Drift happens in business. Drift happens in relationships. That, that person that you met and you thought, oh my gosh, that is the best looking man I've ever seen in my life. Or that is, the, that is the most incredible girl I've ever seen before. And all of a sudden, you're married for one year, three years, five years, 35 years. And it's just easy to drift, to, to, to let your relationship just become kind of your existing in the house together. Drift can happen in the way you take care of your health. Drift can happen in the way that your, I mean, the truth is, let's face it, your waistline can drift larger and larger and larger. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to. And how, how many of you know the drift effect certainly can impact your spiritual life? There could be a place in your life where when you first gave your heart to Jesus, you were on fire for the things of God. You couldn't even imagine skipping church. You couldn't even imagine showing up late for worship. You couldn't even imagine missing a prayer meeting. You couldn't imagine not being a part of what God was doing. But now it's like, ooh. 2 Peter 1, uh, I, I love this. This is a pastor. He's talking. He says, therefore, I'll always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you, I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder. Be because of the drift effect that every one of us has as part of our life, it's a good thing to occasionally have somebody who's ready to remind us of the things that we should be taking care of or that we should be paying attention to. I think we often forget the things we should be remembering and keep remembering the things we should be forgetting. And I think one of the great reasons to regularly be in the house of God is that you keep getting reminded of what is yours and, and what God is like and what the presence of God is like. Because every one of us has a, a pull that is on us. The media is pulling on us. Daily life is pulling on us. There's the gravitational pull of our own old ways of thinking or our own old habits that keep wanting to kind of pull us away and cause us to, to drift away. We have 
often old relationships that, that, are, that are having influence on us. And how many of you know, you're going to be just like the people you hang out with. I don't care if you're a middle schooler or a senior citizen, you are going to pick up the attitudes, you're going to be like the people you hang around with, and then there's the pull of that that can cause you to drift away from what really matters. And then your life fills up, and then your responsibilities fill up, and then your schedule fills up, and every once in a while, it's just a good thing to stop and take inventory, am I really paying attention? I loved one of the things that Bob and Audrey did uh, during our relationship weekend as they spent a lot of time in one of the sessions over the weekend talking about you got to keep noticing and appreciating the people in your world. You thought they were amazing, but now they're just kind of blah. And you used to tell them how amazing they were, but now you just assume they know it. And to continue to keep noticing and appreciating your spouse, to, to actually not just notice, but say it. Let me try this side of the room. Not just notice it, but say it. <laughs> I had to dig for that one, didn't I? <laughs> not, just, not just take your church for granted, but go, wow. It's like every week, this place is filled with great music, great spirit, great preaching. <laughs> I said, great preaching. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just saying to stop and pay attention and notice and appreciate your friends and actually tell them what you appreciate about them. To, to stop and pay attention to the good things. It's so easy to get focused on all the stuff that isn't happening or you want to happen or it shouldn't be happening that you can forget about the good things in your life. You can forget that you're really blessed to have a roof over your head. You're really blessed to have meals on a regular basis. You're really blessed to have running water. You're really blessed to get a hot shower. Come on, Eric, go on a mission trip and come back and love a hot shower. And... And sometimes you just take it for granted. And what this passage is telling us is, I think, a super powerful thing. Don't forget how great your salvation is. Yeah. On the days where it feels boring and you are not feeling like you're gaining any ground at all, you got to stop and remember that Jesus gave his life for you. He forgave your sins. You got to stop and remember, I'm going to heaven instead of hell for eternity. You got to stop and remember that God is with me. And I don't know that I feel it right this minute, but I know I'll have a story of his faithfulness to tell. When I get a little further down, I'll look back and go, there he was again. Yes. That... 
When the days are hard, when the days are difficult, you got to keep remembering. Keep paying attention to how great your salvation is. And let me say that even more, I think, when things are going really well for you, you got to keep remembering that God has done that for you. Nothing less than man's abundant attention can receive God's abundant grace. Paying attention, because I think this idea about the grace of God needs to be understood possibly a little more clear. I'm a grace guy. I preach grace. I preach for months on grace at a time. I love the grace of God. But I just want to remind us that the great salvation that we have is given to us by the grace of God. The grace of God is not paving the way for us to live in sort of an easy, greasy kind of way uh, that it doesn't really matter what we say, what we do. The grace of God is literally making an impossibility a possibility. Because the Bible says we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We weren't just sick. We weren't just needing a hand up. We weren't just needing a little religion. We weren't just needing a little church. We weren't just needing a little Jesus. We were dead in our sins. And God raised us up, a dead man, a dead woman, raised up by the grace of God. Why do you love Jesus and your brother doesn't? Why do you love Jesus and that coworker next to you just can't seem to get it no matter how many times you try to talk to him? The grace of God has moved in your world and raised up a dead person to be alive into heavenly places. So grace is not giving us this license for sloppy living. It is actually what has made this even possible. But I also love the other side of understanding that, thank God, the grace of God removes me having be dependent on my behavior to be right with God. Because, come on, one day my behavior is awesome, and then the next day my behavior is embarrassing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? One day, I've got the best attitude you've ever seen. You want some of my attitude. And then the next day, you don't want any of my attitude. And I'm fighting through it. I, I think, I think our, behavior, our behavior is like my golf game. I go out and play a great round of golf, and it's easy to think, I have conquered golf. I know how this goes. And I promise the, the next time I go play, it is like, I quit. <laughs> Thank God Jesus lets me cuss on a golf course. That's, that's the grace of God. You have your theology, I have mine. Um, <laughs> But here's what, I, here's what I know. You never own a great golf game. You just rent it. <laughs> you just rent it for a day. And I feel like that's the same about our behavior. One day my behavior is amazing, but you just rented good behavior. You don't, all of us up and down. Who's grateful for the grace of God? 
in their life. James 5.19 says, My brethren, if any among you strays, wanders, drifts from the truth, and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. I've been doing this for a few years, and I recognize that most people rarely make a conscious decision, I'm going to quit on God. They never make a conscious decision, I'm going to quit on church. They just end up straying. Something, everybody say something, something comes up. And the enemy will tailor fit a something just for you, right? So your kid wants to play sports, and it swallows every weekend, and it's tailor fit just for you, just for them to keep them away from the house of God. I, I, I love the fact that kids could play sports, but I think when sports starts to interfere with your relationship with the house of God, you got to rethink that one. Come on, the enemy will tailor fit. You've been praying for that baby, now you got a new baby, and you can't even serve anymore. You can't even go to church. You can't even worship. You barely just, something. Sw Come on, babies swallow up all the air. They're not, you only have to try. You need to swallow the air by being cute, or they swallow the air by being not cute. <laughs> but I watch people that, that they're, they love God, but all of a sudden they hang out the new baby and you can't even see them anymore. Work can be your something. It swallows up your soul, swallows up your life. I, we had a guy in our church a long time ago watching sports, like watching other people play sports on TV would keep him from being a part of what his church was doing. And I'm, and I'm thinking, dude, that's why God invented TiVo, right? <laughs> like right now, the British Open is going on right now. My TiVo is running hot at the moment. I'm going to go home and watch it like it's happening in the afternoon. Thank you, Jesus, for TiVo. The enemy would tailor, tailor fit some... A new boyfriend, a new girlfriend, all of a sudden, something interferes, causes you to start to drift, causes you to start to stray, causes interferes with, you used to be at church almost every time the doors are open and now it's twice a month, and then it becomes once a month, and then it becomes every six weeks, and it's like, well, you know what? I'm so busy in my weekends, and then it just gets easier and easier and easier. Amen, Pastor Kirk, you are preaching the truth today. Uh, I think your something could be an offense. You get offended. You get your feelings hurt. 
All right, here we go. <laughs> this church is full of imperfect people. This church is pastored by an imperfect pastor. Don't say amen. No. <laughs> and somehow in the orchestration of the Holy Spirit to grow you into the image of Jesus, you're going to face an offense. Somebody going to say something or not say something or do something or not do something or things are not going to go quite the way you wanted them to go and you've got an opportunity to deal with an offense but once you get offended and it gets kind of gets down in your spirit and a conflict arises and a misunderstanding it's it just it's hard to listen to pk it's hard to worship there and you used to sit up in the front and now you keep moving back and back and i'm loving all you guys on the back row i'm not picking on you but i'm just saying Come on, you're in. Come on, anybody on the back row that loves Jesus, say amen. Amen. And you it just, you keep, you keep drifting. And I watch people end up just wandering around, never able to find a church home because they left for the wrong reason. I, it's okay for somebody to change a church. Don't get me wrong. But I watch people go from our church to another church to another church to another church to another church. And you can write this down and take it home. If you leave something wrong, you'll never be able to go anywhere right. And it can cause, they end up straying from church, they end up straying from serving God, they end up straying from seeking God. And when somebody leaves God, when somebody leaves church, it just didn't happen in a moment. They, they were on the log, <laughs> and all of a sudden something happened, and they started here, but they've drifted, strayed, wandered, pulled, neglected. All of a sudden, they go like, how did I end up here? I used to be in love with Jesus. I used to love to read my Bible. I used to love to worship God. I used to love to serve. I used to, anytime, if the doors were open at church, I was there. And now it's like, ah. It's the drift effect. I've seen it happen to thousands of people. I don't often like to preach messages like this, but I am your pastor, and I do care because I literally believe that out of first service, second service, there's somebody that this is going to save their life. Like literally save their life. Amen. James 5, 19, let's go back to it. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. People stray from the truth. To, to stray from the truth is to, is to move into deception and I've discovered if you don't love truth, you'll end up in deception. The, the deceptive thing about deception is it's deceptive. Go ahead and write that down. 
You don't, you don't just set out and go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy a lie. I'm going to build my life on a lie. No, deception is something we wander into. And I think we all need somebody who loves us enough to speak into our life and say, hey, bro, you okay? What's going on? Hadn't seen you in church in a while. Just praying today, thinking about you, and just wondering, you doing okay? Now listen, don't go to somebody and say, I feel like you're about ready to go into death. <laughs> and I want to stop that. And I, I'm, not, I'm not an advocate for some kind of spiritual police force. You know, I've been counting the Sundays that you've been absent, and seems you've been absent more than you should be. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, got to be somebody that loves you enough to say, dude, you're drifting, you're straying, you're wandering. And don't say that. Just say, I love you. I'm praying for you. You okay? Just checking in. Come on, there's somebody you know that used to sit right next to you in church and you hadn't seen them in a while. Maybe God wants you to touch base with them. Maybe you could save their life. It says, it says the one that's among you. In other words, this is somebody you've got some equity with. You've got some relationship with. You're not just, you know, random calling people. And it says they will, you will save their soul. Because here's what I know. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. It's how you think. It's your choices. It's your feeling. And the more isolated you get, the more funky your soul gets. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? It's like, that's, why, that's one reason I hate to be homesick. Because you just, your head does stupid stuff. In three days, my, my head could be like way in the wrong place. Your soul gets all, and you start thinking crazy thoughts. You start feeling crazy things. And thank God there'd be somebody that'd say, listen, I'm not trying to expose where you're at, but I do want to cover where you're at. And I want to come into your world. I think some people's something becomes the pursuit of money. The Bible is pretty clear about this idea. 1 Timothy uh, 6 says, verse 20, the love of money, not money, right? The love of money. So in other words, if you're poor, you can love money. If you have money, you can love money. So it doesn't matter how much you have, but the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered, here we go, Drift effect away from the faith, pierce themselves with many a pain, which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith. <laughs> Grace be with you. God is a prospering God. God loves to bless. But you got to know the other side of the coin is, is when your job starts to swallow you up at the expense of your walk with God, at the expense of your marriage, at the expense of your involvement in the 
church family that you're supposed to be a part of, you become a prime target for drifting. Listen, if Chick-fil-A can be closed every Sunday and be a multi-billion dollar a year company by closing on Sunday so that their employees can be involved in their church, you could give a Sunday to God. I think drifting is a potential for all of us. You got to pay close attention or you drift. You got to be alert. Stay on top of it. Stay in touch. 1 Timothy 4, 16. I'm going to try to wrap this up in the next day. Uh, <laughs> pay close attention to yourself. It's good to have somebody speak in your life, but how many of you know other people can't do your push-ups, right? I mean, eventually, you got to pay attention to yourself, to your teaching, persevere in these things for this, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. I just want to remind us that your life has an impact. You have an influence. I want to speak to the men of our house and say, come on, you're a dad, you're a husband, you got influence, and your kids are watching whether you prioritize the things of God, whether you prioritize the house of God, and they're following your example. They're watching whether you worship or whether you just kind of stand there. They're watching. They're watching. I remember when I was a new believer, there was a guy that was influential in our group, and my biggest struggle in when I first got saved was giving up smoking cigarettes. There was a lot of stuff that just Jesus swept it away out of my life, and I was so grateful, but smoking cigarettes was hard for me to give up. And I remember there was a guy who was kind of influential in our group, and he, he smoked cigarettes, and, and there's just some little crazy thing that got in my head and thought, if he could be that cool and serve Jesus and smoke cigarettes, maybe, 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 maybe it's okay for me. I'm a young believer, and I'm, uh, I'm letting his influence get on my life. Somebody's watching you. And what, what Paul is telling Timothy here is, you got to pay attention to yourself because not only are you going to take care of your own salvation, but if you watch yourself, I find my wife reads her Bible more when I'm reading my Bible more. And she's a strong personality. She doesn't need me to, but I find when I pray more, she prays more. So, so it never pays for me. It never, husband advice. Honey, you don't seem to be reading your Bible very much. Don't do that. <laughs> but you start reading your Bible and the influence will be amazing. I think the antidote to the drift effect is continually realizing how great your salvation is. I don't, I don't think fussing at yourself or having me fuss at you, which I hope you understand is not my intention, 
But I don't, I don't think that's the way to get there. I think, I think don't neglect so great a salvation. When you remember everything that God has done for you, it, it will keep you from drifting, from wandering, from straying. Psalm 103, last passage I'm going to go through today. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, because sometimes you've got to speak to your own soul, don't you? Right? And just say, come on, we're going to worship God today. I don't care. We're, you didn't get enough sleep, but we're going to worship God anyway. We're going to be happy anyway. We're going to choose to walk in faith anyway. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget none of his incredible benefits. He pardons all your iniquities. Anybody glad for that? He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. Come on. He crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. He satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Come on. Don't forget how great this salvation really is. We're going to pray in just a moment. And I want to ask you, there's no shame in this. There's an appeal to the fact that all of us have the drift effect that can impact our life. But I want to ask you, how's your urgency factor? How's your passion in being concerned about the lost. People who don't really know Jesus. People who are certainly going to an eternity without God. How's your urgency in that? How's your passion about that? How's your, how's your urgency? How's your passion for the house of God? And, and really the most important is you got to assess this fairly for yourself. Where, where's your fire for God? For the things of God, for the presence of God, for, the, for God himself, for a relationship with God. I want you to bow your heads, please, and I want you to close your eyes. Father, I'm praying for every person <coughs> that is in this room. <clears throat> May your spirit blow fresh heaven into our soul, into our church, Lord, that our passion, our urgency, our desire for you would be strong. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, let me ask you this. Maybe you've never just opened your heart to Jesus. I would love to pray with you today, and let's start that journey. Maybe you're here today, and the truth is, as I've been preaching this, you're, you are recognizing, I am not where I used to be. I am not where I could be, where I should be. I have drifted. There's no shame in that. You're here for a reason. God wants to restore. He wants to redeem your life from the pit. Maybe you're just here, and you feel unsure about where you stand with God. I would love to agree with you, to pray with you. You say, Pastor, uh, I, I need to give my life to Jesus or I, I need to come back to where I used to be. 
or I want to feel sure that I'm right with God. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand real high and say, that's me, would you pray for me? I'm, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I could be, where I should be. I need to give my life to Christ. I need to do it afresh, anew. I want to be sure I'm right with God. Is there anybody else? Thank you. All over the room. Come on, thank you. An honest heart holds a lot of value in the sight of God. A lover of truth is a person with an honest heart. Anybody else? Say, Pastor, include me. I want everybody to pray out loud with me. This is especially for those who lifted their hand, but I'd like for us to join together and say these words. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I really want you. I really need you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I come to the cross where you've paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start, a new beginning as I give my heart to you. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord.